listening to Here's My Number, So Call Me Ishmael, the podcast formerly known as Hey Ya Delilah. It's a cultural quiz show and so much more. I'm Tony, and this is Austin. Hello, Austin. Hello, Tony. The intro puns are just getting better. (laughs) Just getting better. Yes, that actually, uh, I thought of that one a couple weeks ago. And I was in the middle of rinsing out my mouth with mouthwash. And when I thought of it, I spat out a little bit of mouthwash all over my sink and mirror because I was laughing at myself. Uh, now, between the two of us, are you, who, which one of us is more outcast and which one of us is more plain white tees <laughs> as a whole? Um, that's a good question. On gut reactions... I don't want any uh, criteria to be established. Sure. I want yeah. it to be a meaningless conversation. Yeah. On gut reactions, I would say that, that you are more outcast and I am more playing my tees. That's what mm-hmm. I... I was going to say the same for you. So that's sweet. Thank okay. you. So we're, our, we're, our, our audio is in sync and also our minds are in sync. Mm. That's good. <laughs> Almost one person at this point. That's what people like about this show, I think, is that <laughs> most podcasts you get to hear a couple different perspectives, but with us, it's two voices in harmony. Yeah, two voices. Yeah, almost Yeah, almost sort of challenging the notion of personhood <laughs> because we are so so one-minded that you know, if you think about the concept of personhood as being ontologically identical to being the mind, then we are one person. Mm. Two hearts. And actually, wait, Austin, you know how one of my favorite things is to make transitions from our idle beginning conversation into the first category of trivia? Yes. The broad category that we're going to be talking about today is far from normal. (gasps) And specifically, the first category we're going to be talking about is freak shows. Ooh. And, And one of the very common... I guess one a, a very common show at a freak show would be Siamese twins. Siamese twins are also sort of two people in one. Mm. They are they're two identities in one body. Now, should we challenge the notion of the name Siamese twins before well, we go in? We're going to we're going to talk about that. So, uh, so hold on. Grab the reins of that horse and all the other horses that are nearby. I'm, I'm asking you to hold your horses. <laughs> we will get to that nomenclature later. Beautiful. First, though, so freak shows. I wanted to start off with an excellent excerpt from a BBC article that I read to give us the tone that we should, we should have going forward. This is talking about freak show performers. It says, many were clearly mistreated, but there were also examples of empowerment. Many freak performers faced lives of destitution, dependency, or incarceration because of their bodies. But in the freak show, many became celebrated performers. The freak show transformed marginalized individuals into extraordinary figures who lived both triumphant and tragic lives. Its legacy is complex, but its significance should not be ignored. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, and it's true. You know, if we're probably going to, honestly, if I'm going to be honest with you, Austin, we're probably going to make some jokes that involve freak shows. But 
We're not going to make jokes at the expense of marginalized people. We want we the the goal here is to celebrate them and acknowledge that they were sometimes mistreated in the past. Yes. I sort of wonder what the what the line that would distinguish a, an empowering sort of troop with, you know, an abusive troop. I wonder if it's the person who is benefiting at the top was it more of a democratic sort of family or or was it someone who uh, was quote unquote normal, you know, kind of making money yeah. off of off I mean if you watch the greatest showman, you will be led to believe that P.T. Barnum was a great and wonderful and helpful man to uh, all, all people. And to all children. If instead you consult the history books, you might be taught otherwise. But as an example, Joseph Merrick, do you recognize that name? Uh, the elephant man? Yes. Joseph Merrick, his whole childhood was abused and abandoned and homeless, and he couldn't get work, and he was basically destitute until he was brought into a you know a ostensible freak show and there he was given access to surgeons and given access to hospitals and access to you know some modicum of economic independence so i don't know austin yeah i mean it's kind of interesting how how it's come back around because i think you know 5 years ago i might have said well is it empowerment because it's capitalizing on their freakness instead of, you know, focusing on the other things that, that they were probably skilled at or knowledgeable in? But now I'm thinking even the concept of disability is being challenged and people's quote unquote disability can be reclaimed as their power in, in yeah. a lot of ways. And the theme so. is the theme is far from normal, but maybe freak shows normalized these rare conditions. I mean, maybe like because people could see unusual conditions, they could view them instead of as a curiosity, just as a as a normal part of the human condition of you know, maybe, you know, it's not statistically common or statistically normal, but it's it's normal in the sense that it's socially acceptable. I love it. Now let's dismantle. Yeah. Also, <laughs> as, one as a one. side note, the freakness is my favorite race in the triple crown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. I can think of one confirmed listener who will really enjoy that joke. And- <laughs> you brought up the phrase Siamese twins. Do you know the origin of that phrase? I do not. It is an incredibly interesting story. There was a period of about a month where I got really into it and told everyone I knew about it. The phrase comes from actual. Well, where, where was where was I for this? Uh, I think everyone I you in, knew. I think I was in Michigan at this point. It was around Christmas break and New Year's. I remember spending a New Year's party telling a few different groups of people about Siamese twins. Okay, um, you're forgiven. It, it originates with. Twins who are actually Siamese. Ooh. I'm surprised by the unsurprisingness of this. Yeah. Their names were Chang and Ang. And they were Siamese by origin, but they lived in America and were part of various freak shows and ended up becoming quite wealthy. But they lived in the American South 
And so a lot of their wealth was tied up in slaves and Confederate currency. So after the Civil War, they lost a bunch of their wealth and lived not in total poverty, but like had to, you know, like went back on the freak show scene to get their money back and stuff like that. Wow. That is an incredibly interesting story. Yeah. Sad I didn't hear it sooner when you were telling everyone you knew. (laughs) But I'm glad I'm hearing it now. They fathered children. They fathered 21 children. Wow. Okay. Uh, Which is so many. So many. Where were they connected? Their livers were fused in the ligament, connecting their sternums. So it was a sort of in the in the abdominal area. Okay. But they are two real people from whom we get the phrase Siamese twins for conjoined twins. Wow. That is They're from Siam and they're twins. And so we call them Siamese twins. Yeah, and it's it is interesting because I feel like you know, you'll hear about these uh, body parts or maladies or what have you that are named after their discoverer. Mm. Um, and we don't bat an eye at those things. So true. So maybe, maybe we, maybe, you know, I said this is a very qualified maybe, but maybe the term Siamese twins is not as, not as offensive as I, as I would have thought. Yeah. Um, they were from Siam. Yeah. <laughs> and they were twins. It's a, it's more of a, an homage to homage. Speaking of the names of things, I have gathered here four different scientific names of conditions that were often on display in freak shows. I'm going to give you the scientific name and I'm going to ask you to guess what the condition is. Yes, please. This sounds fun. The first one is hypertrichosis. Hypertrichosis. You may have heard of trichotillomania. I have. And I've heard of trichinosis, which I think is totally different. Uh, <laughs> but trichotillomania has... Is that when you pull out your hair compulsively? It is. Okay, so I'm going to guess that this is either the this is either the the bearded lady or sort of the I, I don't know I wouldn't know a freak show name for it but the the person that's sort of covered head to foot in hair. Yeah, it, in fact, it is a general term for both of those sorts of things. Hyper meaning a lot of and trichosis meaning hair. It's just any basically any abnormal amount of hair growth, mm. which would include things like a bearded lady and also. In free shows, they would sometimes be called like wolf man or wolf boy because mm. they were fully covered in hair. Sure. That, that is not the generally accepted term in the medical community. Uh, <laughs> wolf boy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is, yes, hypertrichosis, excess amount of body hair. Hypertrichosis can be caused by a paracentric inversion mutation of the Q22 band of chromosome 8. Mm. However, it could also possibly be the result of a spontaneous genetic mutation rather than inheritance. So mm. it has also been linked to chromosome XQ24-27.1. Oh. 
Uh-huh. Now that, now that I can get my, sink my teeth into. That's yeah. I thought maybe if I, yeah, the congenital generalized or, or hypertrophosis terminalis is thought to be caused by genetic mutations on chromosome 17, resulting in the addition or removal of millions of nucleotides. The gene map to K6 may be a factor contributing to this condition. Mm. So there, that's also, I wasn't, I thought maybe I wasn't sure if you were more interested in chromosome XQ24-27.1 or chromosome 17. Mm. Well, uh, 17 is the only one I can remember for the first few seconds after you say it. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that one up. Yeah. Hypertrichosis, it's not, it's not common, but that doesn't mean it's not, you know, it's not normal in these, in the sense that, you know, it's not common, but it's normal in the sense that it's, it's, it's acceptable. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's, it's, it's right there in your genes. It's right there in the paracentric inversion mutation of the Q22 band of chromosome eight. Mm. It's right there. And does it, does it bring with it any negative physiological effects besides the, the inconvenience of having more hair than many people do? That's a good question. I don't think so. Let me pull up the Wikipedia article here. Pathophysiology. Uh, yeah, the treatment can have negative effects. You know, you, uh, hypersensitivity on your skin, things like that. I don't think it has any adverse adverse effects other than having lots of air. Mm. Now, you know, 100, 200, 1,000 years ago, it would have the adverse effect of society shunning you and, and viewing you as, as the other and, and, you know, calling you wolf boy and calling you man of the woods and things like that. But Like a Justin Timberlake? Yes. <laughs> sort, of, sort of thing. <laughs> yes, Oof. exactly. But that's, that's a... A symptom of society. That's not a symptom of hypertrichosis. Right. Yeah. I don't think that Justin Timberlake reference will will age well. Just thinking <laughs> about where he is in the in the consciousness right now, national consciousness. Oh, I don't know either. Do you know what achondroplasia is? Achondroplasia. Achondroplasia. Um, it sounds like something maybe to do with color. No, that would be more of a chromo. Chondro. Is it CH? It is CH. I I don't know if, well, yeah, I don't even know if this will be helpful. So I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Why would I say something if it's not going to be helpful? Austin, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say anything helpful, it's got to be nice or helpful. Like, you look like shit, but said in a compassionate way of like, let me, let me help you. Right. Maybe, and maybe don't even say you look like shit. Maybe say something like, hey, why don't you try on a different pair of glasses mm. or something like that? Why don't you try <laughs> on a different pair of jeans? Right. Something like that. Mm. Um, I... I'm thinking it's uh, chondro is maybe something that you're supposed to have, and <laughs> achondro means you don't. Yeah. But beyond that, I am having a hard time. Is there any sort of uh, is there is there any sort of hint you can give me? Well, you've really you've really hit the nail on the head with your breaking down of the the Greek components. Would it help to know that it is caused by a mutation in fibroblast growth factor receptor three gene? 
Does it might. <laughs> does it might. that help you? Um, no, <laughs> it, it does not. It does not help me. I'm going to give you the the full name of of somebody who has achondroplasia, and then I'm going to give you his stage name. His full name is Jason Acuna. And his stage name is, isn't that Wee Man? It surely is. Yeah. Okay. Well, my my medical and freak show knowledge are wanting, but my jackass knowledge <laughs> continues your, your to jackass stun. jackass knowledge, as always, is second to none. I almost, now, when I first say this, it's going to sound like a tall person sort of using an offhand insensitive remark about a short person. Okay. But when <laughs> I explain it, when I explain it, I think you're going to see right. that it was merited. I almost tripped over Wee Man at a Charlotte Hornets game mm. uh, when I was a kid. But it was because he was hiding underneath a sort of row of seats in a stadium preparing to run down to the stage as sort of a surprise I see. move uh, for the halftime show. You were right. That did sound like a tall person saying something insensitive about a short person, and then your explanation validated it. Well, great. I'm glad uh, that I'm in the clear. But I, so I was bouncing a basketball that I had won at a little, uh, you know, carnival-style game thing out in the lobby? God, what's that ring around stadiums called? I, I forget. It's been so long. Uh, like where you're not in the yeah. stadium, you're the vom- around The vomitorium? It. Sure. Is that what that is? The, uh, yeah. So I had won a basketball and I was bouncing it. My dad kept telling me not to because it was distracting. And I refused to listen. And I accidentally dropped it onto the stairs that led down to the court. Ooh. Um, and it got away from me, and it bounced all the way down, and they had to call a timeout as it rolled across the stage. And as I jumped up to try and grab it before it fell down the steps, I tripped over Jason Acuna. Wow. Who was hiding sort of at the end of my row, uh, about to run down for halftime. So there we go. Now, if this were a Whoopi Goldberg movie, your basketball would have landed on the court and one of the players would have tripped and fallen and gotten injured. And you and we man would have had to replace two, two players on the Hornets would have, would have fallen and tripped and fallen and broken their legs on your stupid little basketball. And you and we man would have had to take their places on the team and you would have led them to the championship. Yeah. The ref would have said, said, you know, this is a, this is actually a rule in basketball yeah. that we by don't the have laws, to enforce by the laws given to us in, in from basketball the person who who injured the, if it's a civilian who injures a player that civilian must join the team and take their place well they were bad refs then because that did not happen <laughs> uh, can i explain my vomitorium reference yes please so the vomitorium the commonly held misconception is that the vomitorium is a room where Romans would go to vomit after or during during meals, during feasts, so that they could like, you know, they could purge and then go back and keep eating. Sure. But that is a misconception. The vomitorium is actually like the exit of a of a Roman theater. And and so the vomit is like people leaving, not not oh evacuating exactly 
Exactly. Wow. That's a great piece of trivia and, and makes the Roman Empire a little less gross, although I'm sure they were <laughs> still pretty, pretty uh, sick. So that that's why I brought up the word vomitorium. I'm glad I got the chance to explain that. Yes, uh, achondroplasia is the most common form of dwarfism. The chondro is like related to cartilage and achondroplasia is, it affects your bone and cartilage growth. I don't know exactly why it's called that, but as I said, it's caused by a mutation in fibroblast growth, growth factor receptor three gene. So I think that's probably, that's probably how you would know it. Yeah, that is. Thank you. Microcephaly. I bet if you peel this one apart into its into its Greek components, you'll you'll be able to get this one. I think I could. I'm going to say a tiny, tiny head. It is a tiny, tiny head. Can you name a disease that used to be the disease of the day, but has been overcome by Corona that causes microcephaly? What by disease of the day do you mean? Sort of the like uh, vaguely foreign threat that we. You know, people are kind of talking about as an issue, but maybe didn't quite touch your daily life. Or is it something that everyone... That is literally word for word how I would describe what I meant by that. Okay, then I'm going to guess Zika virus. You got it. Yes, one of the the reasons why pregnant women did not want to get Zika was that it would cause their babies to have microcephaly. Which, uh, you know, strikes me as as a plus when you're you know delivering a baby with a smaller head i think it would be a little easier <laughs> but you know it's yeah, unfortunately it's it stays that way and there are there are adverse effects of of having a small head in addition to zika rubella toxoplasmosis and cytomegalovirus during pregnancy oh. can cause the babies to have a have, have microcephaly which um, the only cure to that one is the optimus prime Vaccine. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's a scary name, cytomegalovirus. Yeah. It is a scary condition. It seems. Yeah. How about thoracoomphalopagus? Thoraco, I guess would would refer to your your midriff. You got it. If I had to guess. You got um, it. Omphalos is, if I'm remembering, has something to do with your center. What's omphalos? Is it the man? I know that word. You're not briefly. far off. It means it means relating to the navel. The navel. Like N-A-V-E-L, not any, not not N-A-V-A-L. It's not. Not not C related, but right. Tummy related. Belly button related. Okay, so what's the what's the third piece? The third piece is so it's thoracoomphalopagus. Pagus. Now pagus. I do not know. I've never heard that term before. I I'm having a hard time thinking of a a common freak show. Yeah, status that would would have something to do with that. Any hints? I mean, it should it should come quickly to mind because we did talk about some people with this condition quite recently. Recently in this podcast? Recently in this podcast. Um, 
Would this be Siamese twins? It would be. It is the, the most common form of conjoined twin, which is uh, fused from the upper to lower chest. So that's the thoraco. So it's from, from, your, from your thorax to your navel. You are connected. Mm. And now we know. And now we know. Everyone got a Greek lesson. They got a freak show lesson. They got a medical lesson. Yeah. Um, several. We can also give people a legal lesson. As I was doing the research on this, I found that in the late 20th and uh, yeah, in the late 20th or mid to late 20th century, a lot of freak shows were outlawed and the, uh, the Michigan law now outlaws exhibition of disabled or disfigured people for purposes of entertainment. Uh, mm. Would you like to guess? So the Michigan law was originally written in 1931. Would you like to guess what, what words or phrases they use to describe disabled or disfigured people? Oh boy. I, I would rather you read it from a list than for me to <laughs> take a shot in the dark and be wrong. Um, it is not, I mean, it was sort of by definition politically correct for the day because it is written into law, but it is not politically correct today. The, the phrase that they used in 1931 was deformed human being or human monstrosity. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Goodness. Um, human monstrosity. If we believe that language matters, I think that is an improvement on the language. Mm. I do believe. Speaking of, of conjoined twins. Speak of them. Have you ever heard the term tulpa? T-U-L-P-A? T-U-L-P-A. I don't think so. Now, there is a, I, I think there's a religious background to that word that has to do with you know eastern philosophy in some way or another but i have encountered it recently through reddit like many great and terrible wonders i found it through reddit but it's the idea that you can now just a second you're referring to https colon backslash backslash www.reddit.com oh yes thank you okay. and we'll tweet that out so that you can people yeah. can find it <laughs> we'll, we'll send out that link cool cool, cool. Uh, but uh uh, a tulpa is a consciousness or person that you, as a conscious being, are able to create yourself. Mm. And on the subreddit dedicated to tulpas, of which there are several thousand active users, most of the discourse has to do with, number one, how to create your own tulpa. Number two... Mm how to sort of live with that person in your own head. And then number three, how to sort of improve your relationship with, with your tulpa. Um, but a lot of the posts are written by tulpas themselves or the, the consciousness that the host has dreamed up and has allowed them to sort of access their body to, uh, to write posts or mm. so questions. Your, your, your tulpa can, can take over your your physical body i think it's pretty advanced but that is the that is the idea that's not tulpa 101 that's you're in your later your that's your senior year of of tulpa in tulpa mancy is what it's called so tulpa you can mancy. you can use the the term yeah right. it is not tulpa mancy 101 um, yeah. but fascinating that's and of course my first instinct was to to scoff like it often is when I find a subreddit that, that yeah. seems wild to me, but pretty interesting stuff. 
pretty worth looking into. And I'm sort of at the point where now I'm afraid I'm accidentally going to create one and then <laughs> be stuck for life. But at least, at least you have the resources available to you to understand how to communicate and improve your relationship with it. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of posts that say like, you know, this is not, this is not a hobby. This is not like even like adopting a pet that you could give away or could die. But this is a permanent thing that you're inviting into your life. And so don't, don't do it lightly. The word topomancy, since we've been talking about Greek origins, topomancy is kind of a fun word in that it is a fusion of, I don't know where topo comes from, but you said it, it comes from the East. So I would assume that it, you know, it's some, um, it's a, it's a fusion of an Eastern language with the Western language, which is kind of fun. Mm, yeah. Sort of a, uh, what are those called when you smash? A portmanteau. A portmanteau. A portmanteau that sounds a lot like a Greek, a Greek word, but but would not be interesting. Yeah, but anyway, the discussion of uh, you know sharing a body with someone—it's interesting to think about sharing a body with another person in one body. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some woo-woo stuff like that in the last category of trivia. So we'll, we'll I'm going to ask you once again to look around you and find all of your horses and mm. hold every single one of them. Hold them on. All right. I got them all. I will be a, a mirror for your, your words and deeds. So yeah, that was talking about freak shows. Our second category of trivia in the world of, of far, far from normal is fandom slash subculture debates. Mm. So these are things that, some people find very important, but most people wouldn't find important at all. So in that sense, it's sort of far from normal. Mm. You, you, you see that connection there? I do. Um, I'm going to ask you where you stand on some of these debates. So for example, Pokemon versus Digimon. I assume that you fall on the Pokemon side. Can you even respect someone who likes Digimon? Um, yes, I can. I went through a Digimon phase. Mm. And I think that the only thing that has kept me tied closely to Pokemon is the games. And the games have always yeah. been better than the Digimon games. But I thought I thought Digimon was cool. It had some okay. weird, like, uh, you know how uh, there's this joke that if a biblical angel looked like how it was described, it would be just this horrifying, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, wheels with eyes and fire and, and wings covering their feet. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Digimon latched on to that a little bit. It kind of had that Final Fantasy feeling of like angels are scary or or monsters are monsters. They're not monsters are monsters, right? That's a good, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Monsters, po- are monsters, Pokemon can only loosely be called monsters, but I do some of the Digimon really they are they are monsters, right? And freak show members are not monsters; they are people, and that. Is what right. we learned in our first. That's right, exactly. Right. They are not human monstrosities. <laughs> but that's, that's a great point, monsters. Austin. I, I hadn't thought about that way, but Pokemon really, sh- it shouldn't be called Pokemon. It should be called like Pokey, Pokey Buddies. Yeah, Pokey Buddies. Pokey, Pokey Pets or something. Because they're not yeah. monstrous at all. Yeah, new friends. New friends. If I saw a Doug Trio, I wouldn't run away screaming. No. I'd, I'd get closer and check it out. Maybe if I saw a Hitmonchan, I might run away from a Hitmonchan. Yeah, or like even, you know, even like a Haunter or 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I guess true. The ghost type Pokemon are, are definitely monstrous. But even at the even at the end of the day, I mean, Gengar is he's he's dastardly, but he's still pretty cute. Yeah, although that kind of for me a little bit increases the spookiness. Mm. It's kind of the uh, like the little like the little kids are freaky sort of thing, right? Where it's there, it's the contrast of their spookiness with their cuteness kind of makes them more spooky. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now contrast that with something like Infermon. Sure. Which I don't remember why I remember that name, but it's like a humanoid spider with cables for arms and sort of a, a metal human face covered with spikes everywhere. That's a monster. That's a monster. That's not a yeah. little bud. That's a monster. Yeah. I, agree. <laughs> I think there was also a Digimon called Beelzemon. <laughs> and I think that one was cuter, but... That's a monster. That's I'm a looking monster. at pictures of Beelzemon right now, and that's that's not a cute creature. Mm. It's humanoid, which I guess, you know, again, it's I, I I actually would call Beelzemon a human monstrosity. Okay, now I'm looking. I was looking at Impmon, which is his pre-evolution. Uh, um, and yeah, oh man, Beelzemon is a spooky boy. Yeah. But a half man. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I, I, I too would would consider myself deeply in the Pokemon camp, just because I I have engaged with its content so much more. But you're you're right to point out that the digital monsters are more monstrous than the pocket monsters. Yeah, and I dig that. I like the creepy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my take there. I'm definitely more of a Pokemon fan, but I got respect. You got respect. All right. Here's an interesting one. The movie, there's a movie that came out recently, a couple, uh, I don't remember exactly, within the last couple of years, that sparked a debate that is usually in the world of TV. A movie that came out recently that sparked a debate that's usually in the world of TV. Okay. It was a very well-received movie. Came out in 2019. It was a foreign film. Okay. A foreign film. I'm trying to think what this debate could be because I feel like that's yes. the key. The fact that it is a foreign film is highly relevant. Oh, man. So I'm I'll tell you, the movie was Parasite. Okay. The debate isn't so much about the content of the film, but as in its presentation, maybe, would be the way to describe this. Sure. And normally the debate takes place in anime forums. That would be the... Oh, sub or dub? Subs we dubs, exactly. So was the debate sort of that it it shouldn't have been sort of sequestered to the foreign language film category for for the awards? Uh, no, the debate literally was about subs or dubs. Some people thought it should have been presented with subtitles, and and some people thought that the the voices should have been dubbed over in English. Interesting all of the arguments that people have been making on anime forums for years and years were, were brought to the, the, the hot light of day because of Parasite and how popular it was. Wow. Well, here's my take on this. I am dying to hear it. Unless you are, you know, unless you're reading impaired, you know, visually impaired or have a hard time keeping up with subtitles, it's not even a debate. Like, 
how dumb how dumb is that how dumb are these people <laughs> that are Good. able to I'm read i'm glad to hear that we've we're out of the you don't put respect on on uh, uh, yeah you don't put respect on dubs respect on dubs even more so for for anime because you there are some dubs that are good right i mean cowboy bebop is a great dub they got good actors they they respected the original source material but it it, any live action dub is garbage there's nothing else to say it's not synced up It, it it takes you totally out of the experience when you're watching a mouth move a certain way and the words sounding different I got no respect for that. Yeah, I agree. The next two debates, I've I've named them battles. So this is this is the battle for the best Lego Hero multimedia franchise. Mm. Do you know what Lego Hero multimedia franchises I'm referring to? Um, I know Lego Batman is a big franchise. I know Lego Star Wars is a big franchise. Um, yeah, these are two Lego originals. These are created specifically by Lego not incorporating other universes. Oh, interesting. Um, created specifically by Lego. Uh, Ninjago? You're getting there. Bionicle? Bionicle. Okay. And then its enemy is something that I think was a little bit after our time, was Hero Factory. Oh, okay. Okay. So they have very sort of... Uh, very similar aesthetics, sort of similar audiences, but they're different enough that, you know, that's how it always goes with these sorts of things, right? Like the closer you, the more similar you are, the more vitriol you feel, right? Mm. And that's, that's sort of the hallmark of these debates, right? Like, you know, the subs v dubs debate, it's people who already love anime, like who already love foreign, like they love exactly the same TV show. It's just one aspect of the presentation that they can't agree on. Mm. Same thing like Pokemon, Digimon. Like they're very similar principles. It's the it's the similarities, Austin. It's the similarities. Right. I mean, Catholicism and historical Protestantism. You know. Similarities. Similarities. Yeah. Yeah. The Bionicles, Kopaka, Onewu, Pohatu. Do you know what language inspired the Bionicle naming system? Well, I feel like. I feel like I always saw, originally I saw a Hawaiian lean uh, or a Polynesian sort of lean to things. To Maori or? It is Maori. Okay. Yes, it is inspired by words in the Maori language, some of which the Maori, actual Maori speakers did not endorse. Mm. Um, And at some point Lego said, okay, we'll stop using Maori words. They didn't retcon any of the existing Maori names. Sure. Wow, that's that's a that's a little drama that I had never heard of. Very interesting. Yeah. The Hero Factory names are things like Preston Stormer, <laughs> Natalie Breeze, William Ferno, Duncan Bulk, and Mark Surge. So those are so kind of swinging the total opposite way to exactly. sort of a western. They decided not to offend only. anyone. Uh, except, except for the porn stars whose their names are Duncan Bulk <laughs> and Mark Surge. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read about this controversy later. So that's that's the battle for the best Lego Hero multimedia franchise. This this next one is the battle for Nick Jonas. Mm. Got some skin in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the two? 
pop sensations who dated Nick Jonas and were alleged to be real life rivals? No, but Katie would. She's right in the other room. Uh. <laughs> would it help if I also told you that they played on-screen rivals on the Disney Channel? On-screen rivals on the Disney Channel. Um, it would not. It would not help. Okay. The Disney Channel thing is a clue because they both originated on shows on the Disney Channel. Well, the two pop sensations I can think of from the Disney Channel are Selena and, and Demi, right? Yeah, they did. There's a big one you're forgetting. Hannah Montana. You got it. Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, yeah. So Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez both dated Nick Jonas. They were alleged to have bad blood between them. It's difficult to tell how much of that is manufactured versus real. I don't know. Do we impose these rivalries upon Disney stars because they were all Disney stars? It's it's tough. I don't know. That's what what I'm saying. It's, It's difficult to tell. I surely like to believe that, you know, they were, they hated each other. Yeah. I know it's more fun, but it's more fun, but sometimes what's more fun isn't more true. Right. Yeah. What's the hierarchy? Do you think, what, what do you value? Something that is true, something Mm. that is funny, something that truth V fun trade off. Where do I, where do I lie on that spectrum? And let's throw, we'll throw beauty in there too. Okay, so we've got sort of a triangle spectrum here. A triangle spectrum of a a statement. We'll call it a statement or a an artistic statement. So there's got to be some, some... Oh, so we're specifically talking about art. Interesting. Well, art can be included, but there has to be some sort of statement inherent to it or else how could you judge if it's true or right. whatever. No, I, I, I get that. But I think in casual conversation... I prefer funny and truth and would be willing to neglect beauty in mm. casual conversation. Okay. I think in art, I would like some beauty thrown in. Sure. Sure. So I think the, the context matters. It does. All right. Sorry to derail you. No, that was... Well, my horse is loose. Okay. We're going to do a lightning round here. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. I've got a bunch of music rivalries. And I want you to, t- I'm just going to lightning round it. And I want you to tell me what you would pick. I'm ready. All right. Beatles or Stones? Mm. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Beatles. <laughs> Although it's changing. Okay. It's changing slowly. That was a, it was a lightning bug rather than a lightning bolt was yeah. the speed of that response. Okay. I'm going to, it's going to be, I'm going to be faster. I'm ready. Okay. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Tupac or Biggie? Uh, Tupac. Jay-Z or Nas? Jay-Z. Megadeth or Metallica? Uh, Metallica. Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera? Britney Spears, especially after watching Framing Britney earlier totally, this week. Totally, totally. Oasis or Blur? Uh, Blur. Madonna or Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga. Jack White or the Black Keys? Jack White. Nice. Well done. Mm. How'd I do? I agree with you on most of those. Where do you disagree? Oasis. I would pick Oasis over Blur. Um, That actually might be the only one. Jack White v. Black Keys, I'm a little... uh, I like them both. That one I would have some trouble with. Uh. Yeah. I um, (laughs) Let's go back to 
the uh, the monsters versus little buddies debate. I mm. I feel like Jack White has an element of darkness that I sure appreciate. Yeah, so Jack White is sort of the Digimon slash Bionicle, where the Black Keys are sort of the Pokemon slash Hero Factory. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And listen, I I would have been an Oasis fan, or I would have picked Oasis, you know, at other points in my life. My first CD I ever purchased was from a from a pawn shop, and it was it was not any of the good ones. It was "Be Here Now" um, by Oasis. <laughs> huge, huge fan for a long time, but um, consistency. I'd have to go with Blur. I feel like Blur put out a lot of good albums, and then Damon Albarn pivoted to to start Gorillas, which I also am really into. Yeah, Gorillas. Did you know this? Did you know this? Uh, I did not know that that was the origin of Gorillas, but uh, yeah. I did know that you like them and that they're a good, good band. Yeah, I think, well, one thing I like about Oasis v. Blur is the fact that Oasis also hated itself. Mm. Um, and so I could have just as easily included in this list of rivalries Liam Gallagher versus Noel Gallagher. Absolutely. Um, and I, I like to think that it was their mutual hatred of Blur that, that kept them together. Uh, or their mutual hatred of their 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 mutual hatred of being civilized members of society. I found out on Wikipedia this. I, I don't know how true this is, but it was on Wikipedia, so probably true. The so-called Battle of Britpop became a so this is talking about the Blur Oasis rivalry. The so-called Battle of Britpop became a cultural event with Blur taking on the role of elitist middle-class Londoners, while Oasis personified rough-necked working-class Northern Englanders. Mm. I didn't realize that aspect of it that there was a sort of uh, a class aspect. Yeah. Well then what about pulp who are sort of sort of in there? Yeah, I mean working class heroes, I'd say. But also how can you be a it's tough to look at a band who's enjoyed enormous success and talk about class anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, I even, feel you. Even if the early stuff was rooted in that, how do you keep yourself from becoming the monster? Yeah, I mean, like Aerosmith has a song called Eat the Rich. And at a certain yeah. point, it's like, come you on. Go eat yourself, Steve Tyler, if that's what you think. Yeah. But I think Bruce Springsteen pulls it off. He's been a blue-collar rock and roller his whole career. And I, I still buy it. Yeah. The final category is I wanted to talk about the Conscious Life Expo. You know about the Conscious Life Expo? Uh, I don't. Okay. This is a conference that is held every year, usually in the LAX Hilton. This year it was held remotely. It is a, like I said, it's, it's called the Conscious Life Expo. Maybe the name gives it away. I, the reason I am thinking about it is because I saw a very funny YouTube video where a guy went and interviewed some people there. It's basically just like the world's lunatics gather in a hotel and the the lunatics stand, go up and one lunatic is like i'm a lunatic here's the way in which i'm a lunatic you should you should also be a lunatic in the way that i'm a lunatic and then that happens like like a bunch of times and then they all go home again to their home based lunacy mm. but it's like just so as an example like they they like the categories they have themed content sections about ancient mystery, secrets revealed, spiritual healing, goddess force, the science of consciousness, ascension into the fifth dimension, those sorts of things. Sure. There's probably a Topa, a Topa contingent. 
That's there. There almost certainly is a, the Tulpa Contingent is actually a band that's performing at the Conscious Life <laughs> Expo. Um, speakers such as Dr. Stephen Greer, Linda Moulton Howe, Deborah King, Adam Apollo, <laughs> household names. Stephen Greer. Some of these names sound so familiar. Well, it's it's because we're all part of the same consciousness. Stephen Greer is a UFOologist and retired traumatologist. Okay. Give me those names one more time. I recognize the second one. There's uh, Linda Moulton Howe. Okay. She's an Emmy and Peabody honored investigative journalist. Mm. So. Okay. Also, (laughs) one of my favorite things about this website is that, you know, you you, you read about all the speakers and literally, I mean, this, this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but literally every single book that's mentioned is described as a best-selling book. (laughs) Except for, I did find, so I probably found a dozen different books, all of which were described as bestselling. There was one book that hadn't been released yet that was described as sure to be a bestseller. <laughs> I like that. So. That's, that's applying. It's ideation. Right. Applying the, the secret. Yeah. If you, so you said you could get into it. If you were to get into it, which angle would you get into? Like, would you get into So let me, I'll, let me read the different categories to you. And I, you tell me which of the content segments you would get into. Yeah. So there's ancient mystery secrets revealed. There's spiritual healing goddess force. There's science of consciousness. There's ascension into the fifth dimension, extraterrestrials, the real facts, astrology for 2021, mystic journey, TV, awaken the soul meditation, optimum healing, reprogramming your DNA and UFOs, future contact. So if you were to give a presentation at the 2022 Los Angeles Life Conscious Life Expo, which one of those would you go to? I'd probably uh, angle toward the, the UFO side of things. Mm. Maybe the ascension sort of stuff. I think I would probably avoid the healing areas because I, mm. yeah, I feel like that stuff could get a little tricky. But yeah. I would observe with hopefully not too much judgment, although uh, some of those sound tricky. But, you know, uh, the older I get, the more I realize that our current systems are more flawed than I thought as a kid. So I'm always up to hear, um, you know, some alternate takes on things as long as they don't harm anyone directly or indirectly. Sure. That's why I feel like the, the healing stuff does have the potential to harm someone, you know, who might really need some real medicine. <laughs> who might need healing outside the goddess force, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it goes back to the harmony of science and, you know, religion or mysticism or whatever. They they shouldn't exist totally separately, but I think there's room for room for both. Yeah, especially yeah. once we get into the fifth dimension. Right. Oh, there will be plenty of space there. We will unlock a whole. Once we're we're broken into the, we got a whole another dimension. You kidding me? I didn't even really think that we had conquered the fourth dimension yet. Well, yeah, that's what I love about the fifth dimension is like there's this game of one-upsmanship in all of these where it's like, I saw an alien. Oh, I talked to an alien. Oh, I was abducted by an alien. Oh, I am an alien. Right. And, and the fifth dimension thing is sort of the same way where it's like, we're, we, oh, fourth dimension. That was, that was conscious life expo 2020. We're in the fifth dimension now. We're in the Keep fifth up. dimension, baby. Yeah. Bring it on. 
as I was reading these descriptions, I sort of they they sort of made me think that like, oh, these sound like just a random conglomeration of words that like a robot would put together. Mm. And so I thought it would be funny to scrape a bunch of the blog posts of these people and train an AI to just generate random phrases based off of these blog posts. So I've created a game, Austin, for you called Two Truths and an AI. <laughs> and uh, so what I've, what I've done is, like I said, I, I scraped a bunch of blog posts from various authors and trained a text-generating AI to generate phrases. And I then have included two actual phrases from various blogs. So we're going to do three games, three rounds of this. And I want you to tell me which one is the one that is AI generated and which two are, are actual blog quotes from blog posts. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Please. For the first one. The great master of a solar system incarnates and gives aid to the planet, which is the lowest in progression in that system. Mm. The earth was also a free spiritual energy to earth, and the entire energy was also known as the reality of the spiritual experience in the world. The last one. It is indeed the resonance of feeling that pervades our authentic human experience, which is the true gift we might bring to the Galactic Council. Well, number three sounded surprisingly lucid, so I'm going to say I'm going to say that's that's real. Um, yeah, you hear the phrase you hear the phrase "Galactic Council" and you know this dude's for real, right? I know. I think number one was pretty internally consistent too, uh, and something I could maybe even drive with a little bit. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say number two. You're right. Is, that's a, that's yeah. absolutely right. That 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 one was that one. The Earth was also free a free spiritual energy to Earth. That one I I thought maybe that was just twi- like twisted in on itself enough that it might catch you. Now listen, I I did not choose the ones I did based on clear you know black sheep of number two. I I went to the other two thinking oh these might be they all sounded pretty wild. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. The Galactic Council one was written by Adam Apollo. You can find him talking about things like quantum geometry, the Resonance Academy. He's got ideas. He's got ideas. And then the 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 great master of the solar system, that was brought to you by Stardove's Aquarian Perspective. Mm, okay. So well done. You got the first round correct. Let's do the next one. I'm ready. A community is a secret spacecraft. That's the okay. first. Okay. All right. The the apps of the soul are also on the chopping block. That's the second one. The third one is the holographic information structure of eternity is inherent in every point. Mm. All right. I like number three. And I like number two. Is it the acts of the soul? A-A-C-T-S or the apps the, of the soul? The apps of the soul, like applications. The apps of the soul are also on the chopping block. Oh, man. I'm going to say number one was the AI this time. Oh, well done. Oh. That being oh. said, I got to actually get behind a community is a secret spacecraft. I'm kind of down with that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm totally down. Like I, I read that and, I, and I, I worried that maybe I had created something. I mean, if you think about it, we're all just trying to navigate life and eternity in the universe. And, right. and when you build your community, that's, that's the group you've chosen to uh, voyage with. And know? what is Earth? But, a, you know, we're all, we're all in a space, right? We're all 
I don't know. I, I actually think I, the one that I agree with most is that one. Yeah. I like it. The second one, the apps of the soul one that comes from William Henry. He is a guide. He is a mentor. He is a counselor. Yeah. That one feels pretty, uh, ephemeral. I don't think people are going to be talking about apps in the fifth dimension. He's got his big idea is the skingularity, which is his it's on the topic of portmanteaus. That is a portmanteau of singularity and skin, which are his ideas about the integration of technology in the human body. Hmm. Um, he calls it the skingularity. Oh man. He was probably so proud of that too. He insufferable. Yeah. He was very excited. I kind of like the last one. The holographic information structure of eternity is inherent in every point. Yeah, if I'm thinking about points on a line or, or just points in space-time. That's another one from Adam Apollo. I think you and Adam Apollo might have some things to talk about. I think me and Adam need to need to chat about yeah. the fabric of the universe. Yeah. Adam, <laughs> Adam I've, I've got a new gift for you. Oh, for what? Oh, for the Galactic Council. <laughs> All right. This is the last round. Here are your three phrases. The first one. From 20 degrees and on, you will be benefiting already from this Jupiter transit. The second one. The Old Testament properties are often found in the brain. The third one. The lovely Aquarian age has thawed the obstinate reaction to spiritual research. Well, okay. So give them to me one more time. I will. From 20 degrees and on, you will be benefiting already from this Jupiter transit. The Old Testament properties are often found in the brain. Mm. This lovely Aquarian age has thawed the obstinate reaction to spiritual research. Now, I know it's funny that the, I draw the line with astrology stuff. And it's not because I don't think that the dance of the cosmos affects us as humans, because I think it probably does in ways that we can't understand. But it's the the conviction with which people who are into astrology talk about mm. how it's how it's affecting them. Yeah. Troubles me. And I feel like number one is something that sounds like something someone would say to sell something else. Mm -hmm. um, it feels too real. It's too gross to not be real. And I'd say the third one sounds pretty familiar. That's a thought you've had. You texted me that once. Yeah. It, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. That is a, an extant song. So I'm going to go with number two being the AI this time. This time around. Well done, dude. Three Woo! for three. Three for three. Yes. Old Testament properties are not often found in the brain. <laughs> Yeah, there is, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I, did, I did call these people lunatics and maybe that's a strong word, but there is, the, the thing about it that I find objectionable, which I think you were hinting at, is that many of them make promises that they cannot keep. Right. And I do find that sort of hypocrisy and that sort of, sort of lying to be objectionable. But, you know, there are aspects of astrology that encourage self-reflection and encourage self-improvement, and that's great. But the notion that, you know, Jupiter having anything to do with that is, I think, a promise that cannot be kept. Right. And it's so easy to just not make a promise. It's right. so easy to say, you know, based on my body of research. You know, I just got back from the Galactic Council. 
Right. And, and this is what they say. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Right. Take it or leave it. That's all. Yeah. You, if every if every horoscope ended with take it or leave it, <laughs> I, I would have no objections to astrology. Take it or leave it. <laughs> this is something I think might happen. <laughs> based on my based on my you know often expansive character studies of people and how they act and behave take it take it or leave it take it or leave it yeah i like that a lot which is honestly the way that i i have started to think a little bit more about religion too is just like hey there's a lot here there's a lot to back up there's a lot to read <laughs> i just love the notion like there's so many of these people have these like hour long, two hour long videos of them going on like crazy diatribes and going into like unbelievable detail. And I just love, love, love the notion of them ending like a two hour long spiel about like ancient aliens and the movement of the (laughs) cosmos and all these like, and ending that with just them being like, "Uh, anyway, that's what I had to say. Take it or leave it. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe that's how, maybe that's the new sign off. For here's my number, so call me Ishmael. Take it, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Goodbye. Um, yeah. <laughs> Those are fun games today. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So that was uh, far from normal. Far from normal. I love it. Good. Well, thank you, Austin. Thank you. Me. Um, thank you to. Anna Swearinga for our logo. Yeah, it's been a while since we did our full thank yous. As, yeah, thank uh, thank you to Anna, as Austin said. Thank you to uh, to Jude for for making making good music that we can can slap on here. And uh, thank you to Jude for his early stock market counseling to me. Oh. It's because of his mentorship that I have entered the game. <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. Did he share any? I mean, obviously, there's some proprietary secrets that. You can't right. share with the general audience, but did Jude have I'm any I'm going to preface this with take it or leave it because stock market, <laughs> stock market, listen, any I only, Listen, I only buy when Mercury is in retrograde. That's, <laughs> that's just the fact. That's it. And I only invest in Mercury as a company <laughs> and, as a, and as a resource. Um, no, uh, I was kidding about the Jude thing, but I do remember no. grabbing a drink with him in Chicago and um, him sort of sort of explaining his whole entry into it and his his failures yeah. and successes and his research. And, you know, the one piece I came away with was don't listen to anyone who acts like they know exactly what's going to happen because that's the yeah. whole point. So do your own research. Unless his name is Adam Apollo. Unless his name is Adam Apollo. He will be my... I'm going to shoot him an email. See, if you see what he's up to. See what he's up to. Cool. Well... Thank you to, to everyone. Take it. This is this is our podcast. Take it or leave it. And goodbye. Adios.